Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Because you're listening today, I want to go ahead and give you a gift. It's a gift I've crafted with immense love, care, and the wisdom of my own journey. This gift is my six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. It's more than just a guide. It's a heartfelt roadmap designed to navigate the terrain of living alcohol-free. Each step in this blueprint is a beacon of light, illuminating your path, guiding you towards a healthier, happier, and truly radiant version of yourself. It's your tool for empowerment filled with practical strategies and emotional insights that will resonate with your personal experiences. It's the companion you deserve on your sobriety journey. And the best part? It's been thoughtfully created for those like me who found traditional programs like AA or the 12 steps not quite aligning with their needs. So if you are ready to embrace this adventure with open arms and an open heart, go ahead and text the word GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, at 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's the word GIFT at 1-855-649-6196. And after all, this just isn't a blueprint. It's the start of your beautiful transformation. So let's embark on this journey together. Today, we're honored to have Carrie Schreer, the visionary behind Grey Tonic and a beacon of those navigating the spectrum of drinking. Whether you're in the gray area, looking for daily motivation, or seeking a transformative change, this conversation promises enlightenment and insight. So get cozy, plug in, and let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. I have here Carrie Schreer. She is an executive lifestyle gray area coach specializing in the many gray areas we have in our lives. Her zone of genius is in habit creation, communication, intentional living, and leadership development. As a former gray area drinker, Carrie founded Gray Tonic and questioned the drink. In 2018, after her own experience of living in the gray, led her to the service of others. She offers bespoke coaching for business leaders seeking wellness, peak performance, and thriving relationships without alcohol. Carrie has also co-authored two anthology books, The Successful Mind, along with her second book, Limitless, a Wall Street Journal number one bestseller. Thank you so much, Carrie, for joining me today on my show. Thank you so much, Tina. I am so excited to talk with you and share all about those gray areas. Yes. yes. And I'm excited too, because I wanted to ask you, like, what inspired you to specialize in the gray area? And maybe we should, first, we should probably define what is the gray area anyway? 
Yeah. So the gray area is this in-between space that about 50% of those that consume alcohol are in. So it's a huge number, right? It's a huge amount of people. And it's the space when someone is more than just socially drinking, but they're not yet severely abusing alcohol, where they're physically and psychologically dependent on alcohol. So it's this huge range, right? There's a, a wide spectrum of drinkers that fall into this. And when I first started looking at my own relationship with alcohol, I did not identify as an alcoholic. I wasn't severely abusing, but I knew that I was drinking more than I wanted to or intended to. And I didn't know what I was. I, you know, I, back in 2016, there, there wasn't much out there except for the traditional routes of, of recovery, like AA, which is where I went. And while it's an amazing program, I think it's awesome and it's helped millions of people, it wasn't a good fit for me. So after leaving the program, I sort of waffled around a little bit trying to find my way. And it wasn't until I worked with a coach and then that really opened up my eyes. And then I heard the term one day on a podcast, gray area drinking. And it just was like, it was like mind blowing for me. I remember it so well, Gina, I was walking my dog in my neighborhood and I heard the guest talk about it. And I literally just stopped dead in the middle of the street. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I was, a gray area drinker. It made so much sense. Her story was my story. I rushed home. I Googled it. I couldn't find much about it except for an abstract paper and a TED talk. And I thought, man, if I can be out there telling people what gray area drinking is, I can get people to raise their hand sooner before they get too far down the path of addiction and I could really help them. And so that's when I decided I needed to do something about this. And here we are five years later. So that's yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, sure. I, for me, I was always like all or nothing. And I remember I didn't start drinking until I was age, I think 22 years old. And then I started becoming into that lifestyle of like clubbing, partying, you know, going out, house parties, whatever. And we would just be drinking and it was just a social thing. But then I noticed it shifted to more of like a habitual, like, you know, after yes. work, I would have my glass of wine. And then it started turning into like, oh my goodness, like I need my glass of wine. Yeah. And then it turned into, yeah. okay, Gina's drinking a, a, a fifth of vodka every day in order for her to actually be able to function and drive. And for me, you know, like, like you said about AA, like I actually went to AA at the beginning, but during my recovery, because I recovered, I think one year after you, I was in 2017, <laughs> I um, stopped drinking. And Yay! then, yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, um, and I was going to AA and I noticed that I didn't feel aligned or connected to everybody. Cause mm. first off, I didn't want to call myself an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Gina. I'm an alcoholic. No, I didn't feel like I was an alcoholic anymore. I'm like, I'm recovered. And so I love what you do is cause you actually help people before it even gets to that point to where they have to like say, okay, I need to go to AA. I need to do this. Um, yes. what is like some areas that are gray when it comes to drinking? Like what are some signs that people need to be looking at? Well, the first thing I will say is that, you know, when you first start having those little quiet voices inside that are already whispering to you, gosh, I think we're drinking too much or, you know, th those internal voices, how much is too much? Or maybe you're even Googling in your browser, like 
what does it mean to be an alcoholic and am I an alcoholic and how much is too much? And, you know, what is considered a moderate drinker? And if you're having any of these questions and that seed is kind of stirring up inside of your belly, your guiding system, your, the Holy spirit, your gut, your inner voice, whatever you want to refer to it as, that is the opportunity for you to not push it away. That's already starting to tell you something that you are on to a problem. Because gray area drinking is a problematic drinker. They are abusing alcohol. I don't want to, you know, have that misunderstood. If you're a gray area drinker, you are abusing alcohol. Now with the alcohol, the National Institute on Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse Disorder, there are three categories of alcohol abuse disorder and there's mild, medium, and severe. So a gray area drinker is going to be in that mild and medium categories and can start to move over to the severe until they become physically and psychologically dependent where they need it to survive, where it's a absolute necessity for them to get through the day. And a lot of severe alcoholics, when they get to that place, they don't have a choice anymore. So that's another big kind of difference is when you have a choice to drink, which if you're in the gray area, you have the choice, you have the choice to drink and you have the choice not to drink. And that's a really big indicator. So if you are finding yourself in those spaces, anywhere in between that, you know, also it, it, it's, I don't want to say it's about so much how much you drink, but sort of, because if you're that person that like, well, I'm only going to have, you know, uh, one or two on the weekends and I'm not going to drink during the week and you do pretty well with that. And then come the weekend, you're like having three to four drinks in less than a two hour period. Well, you're binge drinking and that's abusing alcohol. So it doesn't matter, you know, again, it's not so much about how much, although that does play a part again, for, for ladies, for example, if you're drinking more than one standard drink a day or in a week's time, then you are, you know, considered under the moderate drinking level. But if you go over that by one ounce, then you're abusing. So it's a really fine line. And let's face it, I don't know about you, but when I was drinking, I was drinking wine and that was my jam. So I liked wine. I wasn't pouring five ounces, which is the standard pour size. I was drinking more like eight to nine ounces and saying that was one glass. And so if I'm doing that every night and then some nights are two glasses of wine, well, now I'm really severely, you know, I'm not severely, but I'm abusing alcohol where I'm moving into that medium category of alcohol abuse disorder. So we have to be really careful and understand a, how, what is the standard drink and B, you know, are you, are you playing those internal games with yourself? Like I'm only going to drink this night or that night, or I'm only going to drink on the weekends, which used to be Friday, Saturday. Now it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then you throw in the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, all those games, those head games that we play, those are all indicators that you need to be paying attention because that's your opportunity to say, yeah, I think I'm in this gray area. That's the time to pump the brakes. Another analogy is like, you're, you're kind of waiting in the pool in the deep end, but if you don't watch it, you can end up starting to drown, right? So it's like, we want you to have that choice to make the decision to drink or to not drink. And if you're in that gray area, thank goodness you have a choice, but you need to be paying attention and listening to that inner voice inside. Yes, that's beautifully said. And that inner voice is very important because if you're thinking about like, oh, am I drinking too much? That means maybe I am drinking a little bit too much <laughs> and yeah. you maybe need some help. And what are the support? What, how do you support your clients when they come to you? 
Well, I, I have a couple things that I offer them. So I have a Facebook group called Question the Drink. And the reason why it's called Question the Drink, Gina, is because for I really want it to feel like the identity of you is so important. So let me pause on how I help. And let me say this about identity, because I think this is so crucial. When we are in whatever behaviors we're doing, we have to look to see what we're thinking about ourselves because what we believe about ourselves, our own identity is going to show up with our behaviors and what we do, which is why for me and for you saying, hi, I'm Carrie. Hi, I'm Gina. And I'm an alcoholic was not resonating because that just puts us into a different category. And for me, I was like, no, I'm not powerless over alcohol. I'm not claiming that I'm an alcoholic. It was very important for me to stay very firm on my identity. Yes, I was a person who didn't love myself. I had very low self-esteem, which was one of the reasons why I was drinking and emotionally eating and binge watching Netflix aimlessly or scrolling through social media just to distract myself from the misery that I was feeling in my life at that time. So we have to be really careful, but the identity piece is huge. So when I created my program, Question the Drink, which is really based on drinking more or less, is I wanted it to be the permission for somebody to go, yeah, I can admit that I'm in the gray area and I'm willing to question the drink. I'm willing to look at my relationship with alcohol. It's an invitation for someone to say, okay, I want to know more. Maybe I'm not ready to quit. Maybe I'm not ready to make any decisions. Maybe I just want to know where I stand and what I can do about it. It's that permission slip for somebody to come in the door. And so there's no labels, there's no judgment, there's no guarantees, there's no pushing or um, you know, enforcing or any of that. No, it's it's called question the drink for that reason. It's very much of a welcoming permission-based place for somebody to go, I want to learn more. So with question the drink, I have a, a couple things that I offer, which is think through the drink, which is a mini course. It's free. And somebody can, if you know, go through the mini course and ask themselves some questions, some questions for you to ask yourself, understanding the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, understanding what the standard drink size is, knowing how much you're actually drinking. There's so many resources in that free mini course. And then if they want more than that, then I have a 30-day course called Question the Drink for 30. And then I also run that group live. The next live cohort won't be starting up again until January. I'm making a lot of changes to the program right now. So that will start back up in January, but that's a group program and it's amazing. So those are some ways that I, I support somebody who's in that gray area. And then on the other side with my business, Gray Tonic, I focus on one-on-one -on -one clients and I coach them for six months to a year and kind of anything in between. And that's really diving way deep. We're talking about all things gray. It's not just with drinking because gray area drinking is one gray area that we have in our life. We can have a gray area with our relationships, with our health, with our habits, with our career, how we show up for our family. You know, there's so many gray areas that we have where we're living in this mediocrity and complacency where we're one foot in and one <laughs> foot out. So kind of like with gray area drinking, it's like, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm over here on the social drinker side. Oh, but maybe I'm abusing it a little bit over here and you're just bouncing yeah. back and forth. And we have many of these areas in our life. 
And until we start questioning, not just the drink, but questioning everything, everything that we're doing, being more intentional is, is really my message. Once we start to do that, we can make some really positive changes in our life. For sure. Absolutely. Now, would you consider like sober curious as kind of being like in the gray area? Because I'm yes. hearing a lot about like, okay, so a lot of like my friends are like, oh, I'm sober curious now. And I'm actually trying to uh, create like a little seven day challenge for the so- so- sober curiosity. And I think that this is a movement. It's going, it's happening. The oh. gray area, the sober curious, <laughs> yes. it's happening. Well, yeah, sober curious was around. Um, Ruby Warrington had wrote a book called about sober curious the movement, and she really created that term, and it's taken off like you know crazy. And and it's easy, right? Because you know you might not be willing to say I'm ready to go sober. And you know I encourage people too, especially when they're in the gray area. You don't have to go into anything saying I'm never going to drink again unless you want that, right? Like I will never. I'm pretty dang sure I will never touch alcohol again, but I don't think about it 10 years from now. I'll think about it when I get there. You know, I just celebrated my seventh year being alcohol free. And I, and actually I don't even say sober. I say that I'm alcohol free. I just celebrated my seventh year this a couple of days ago. And that's what I say is that I'm alcohol free and I don't think about alcohol anymore. It's very insignificant in my life. You know, it's part of what I do and what I coach and what I love to talk about. And it's a big part of my story and all that, but alcohol is inert. It doesn't mean anything to me. So I don't have to think about it, but you know, to say that I'll never drink again, I'm pretty sure like (laughs) 99.999% that that will never happen but I don't want to put that, that weight on myself because it doesn't matter right now. I'm focusing on today and tomorrow and maybe the rest of this year. But like, if we think too far out in the future, it just does something with our brain. I'm a non-drinker. It means nothing to me. So based on my identity, you know, it's not, it's not even significant in my life. It's just, it's inert. It's nothing. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah and congratulations, by the way. Thank <laughs> That's you. So wonderful. Now yeah. you have a, an acronym. Yes. Decide. And uh, I was actually hearing about that. And I would love for you to share with our audience what that stands for. I would love to. So like I mentioned, being in this gray area is a choice, right? It's a choice to be there and it's a choice to get out of the gray area. So the decide model of change, I use this with all of my clients, all of them, whether they're in the, you know, the 30 day group program, or they're in a one-on-one coaching program with me. It's not that like, I say to the client, okay, we're going to focus on the D today. It's not like that at all. We sort of incorporate all this, but the decide model of change, we need all of these components in order to make lasting change. So I'll go over the model with you. And it's a really easy acronym to remember because decide is such a great term anyway, right? We're making a decision. So the first D is having the desire to make the change. Well, you have to want it, right? It can't be more than, or it can't just be like a wishy-washy, like, I kind of want to make the change. No, you have to have the strong desire to want to make the change. So that's the first thing. And most people who are listening right now probably have the desire, they wouldn't be tuning in. So there you go, having the desire to change. The E, oh, one of the most important steps, exploring your why, it's not finding your why, it's exploring your why, which means digging deep. We have to go five layers deep in that question. Why do you want to do this? 
right? Well, because I, I want to feel better. Well, why do you want to feel better? Because I, I, I'm not sleeping at night and I want more energy. Why is this important for you to get some sleep at night and have more energy? Well, because I'm not doing great at work and I'm not showing up great as a mom. Why is that important to you? Because I see my kid is drifting from me and I'm worried about losing my job. And what happens? Why is that important? Why, why do you want, need that to be so important to you? Because I'm worried about distancing my kid from me for a very long time. And I'm worried I might lose my job. Whoa. Okay. So now we've found the real why, right? So we have to go five layers deep. That why, by the way, is your anchor. Because guess what? Something's going to come along in life that's going to try to throw you off once you make that decision. And if that strong why is not strong enough and it's not of deep value, you may fall. And so you have to have this pillar of strength with the with your why. So exploring your why, what that is, and going five layers deep with the question, why is that important to you? The C is having commitment to self. Ooh, this is another big one. 100% committed to the commitment. That means not 98% with 2% of a back door that you're going to squiddle out the back if something comes up and you know it's too tough for you today or whatever. You must be committed to the commitment. And this also means investing into yourself. If you don't have skin in the game and you're not willing to put something into it, whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's getting with somebody to help you or joining a program or getting with a friend to do it with you or whatever it is, but you need to be willing to invest in yourself along with having that commitment. The I and the decide model is having an identity shift, which we already kind of talked about. You have to be willing to step into that new version of that person that you want to be. And I'll give you another example outside of drinking because that is very obvious, but I'll give you an example of my youngest son, who's now 29, but a couple of years ago, he decided that he was going to compete in a bodybuilding competition. And in order for him to do really well for his very first time, he had to take on the identity that he is a champion and that he is a bodybuilder and that he is able to do this. And all of his actions then had to align. A championship bodybuilder doesn't have cheat meals. They don't skip time at the gym. They're disciplined and they're committed to doing the work. They have to take on this new identity as if they're already that person. That's what gets them going. That's what the motivation is and the discipline. It's the same thing when we decide we want to make a change with our relation with alcohol. We have to be willing to take on a new identity so we do something different, that we have our daily habits, which by the way is the second D, daily habits. We have to be willing to do those new daily habits. So let's move there. Daily habits are everything. How you do one thing is most likely how you're doing everything. So I encourage my clients never to look at their phone first thing in the morning because when you do, all that does, oh my gosh, Gina, right? All this does is what do we normally do, right? Yeah. We have our alarm on the phone. We go right to Instagram or Facebook and we see a post or somebody didn't like something that we posted or they commented wrong. What does that do to you? Oh yeah. It makes us feel bad about ourselves. Yeah. It sets us up for a bad day right away. We have allowed whatever's on the other side of that phone to influence our day. 
This could be with emails. This could be with social. It could be whatever, right? Text mm -hmm. message. So my plea for you is not to listen. I mean, not to pick up your phone first thing in the morning. Take that time instead to pour into yourself. Mm -hmm. Take that time to exercise, really increase your endorphins. It gets your body moving. It really produces so much good for you. BDNF is released, which is brain neurotraffic brain-derived neurotractive factor, which is like a growth hormone in your brain. It's released and it really helps you just fire on all cylinders all day. So that's why exercise is so great in the morning, just moving your body, drinking lots of water, moving into prayer or meditation, gratitude, journaling, visualizing, visualizing your day, making daily intentions. That's a big one for me with my clients. Start your daily intentions the night before. You want to go to the gym? lay out your clothes, get your gym bag ready, have your water bottle ready to go. So the moment you open your eyes, oh yeah, I'm going to the gym. I made the intention last night. I'm going, I have everything ready to go. You're going to set yourself up for success. So your daily habits every day is crucial to your long-term success. And finally, the last E is putting it all together. Everyday effort equals expansion of yourself. So if you want to make some changes in your life, what you do consistently Every single day by having that everyday effort will get you there. Translated to discipline. When we do things, even when we don't want to do it, but we do it anyway, this is when we have success. And again, this reinforces the identity. When you do things, when you don't want to do it, it just helps the habit of the new daily habits stronger, enforces your identity shift. It helps you to stay committed. You're always grounded in your why, and you are already on your way to the change. Right. So we have to have all of these in play in order to make that change long lasting and a new person, a new you, an expanded version of yourself. I love that so much. And I noticed when I stopped drinking and, you know, I started getting into those habits, like you said, like, like we brush our teeth, you know, like we wash our hands after we use the restroom. Yeah. Those are habits that are ingrained in us. And yes. we can definitely have more habits. Like I, I used to just wake up first thing, prayer. What am I grateful for? And then I would do some stretchings, of course, during my, oh, I've been in six car accidents, none my fault. Oh, uh, yes. And so I have, I have to do some stretching, some movement in the body, because when I move in my body, my mind is moving. Like I'm getting all those endorphins in there <laughs> and then I'm actually feeling already good in my day. And then I'll listen to like a nice podcast, you know, while I do my makeup yeah. and it's just like little habits like that. And also I believe like, so who, are, who you surround yourself with makes a big difference. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's <laughs> up for that. Listen, what, and I have a whole lesson on this in the question, the drink for 30, which is, you know, truly who we socialize with, who we are surround ourselves with. We become the average of those five people that we spend the most time with. Jim Rohn, actually, that was a quote by Jim Rohn, that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's so true. And so sometimes when we make the decision to look at our relationship with alcohol, we want to take it more seriously. Ah, sometimes this requires you to look at the people that you're currently friends with or hanging around with, and you might need to make some of those adjustments because if you're with people that are bringing you down, holding you back, they're not going to be supportive for you to make this change unless 
they are willing to be that support system for you. And sometimes with friends, the only thing that's truly holding that friendship together is the fact that you have this thing in common called alcohol. And that's what you do when you socialize, when you take away the alcohol and maybe there's not the same type of communication happening, then you start to see the real truth behind the relationship. And there's a really great skit on this that talks about this. It's, um, Medina, uh, that Tyler Perry, he used to imitate Medina. I don't know if you ever seen the skits. Yeah. Yes. It's called, um, oh gosh, now I forgot what it's called. Oh my goodness. I forget too. <laughs> it's, but he talks about, he he's in his character. If you just type in Medina and then it's, um, it's, a, he describes like a tree and I forgot what it's called now, but he talks about like how we are like a tree humans. And that we're, you know, you want to find someone that's like the roots of the tree that will go deep with you rather than a branch or, uh, or a leaf, right. That they'll just blow away the first thing that comes along and he (laughs) does this whole skit and it's genius. And it's, and it talks so much about how people in our life are like a tree. And it's very true because, you know, I mean, I'm in my middle fifties, I've gone through a lot of friends over the years. You know, it's like you kind of ebb and flow. You have your set of friends for a while and then you move on, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's okay. So if you're in that space of that fear of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to lose my friends, which by the way, was my number one reason for holding me back for as long as I did. Mm -hmm. I loved my friends. I still love my friends. I love them dearly. Right. I did make some changes over you know, just like, because I'm changing. So mm-hmm. when I started to change, not that I'm better than anybody else, but, you know, I wanted to surround myself with people that were more into self-development that instead of, you know, watching Netflix at night or whatever, I'm like, no, I, I don't even watch TV. I haven't watched any, I can't tell you the last time I watched a TV program outside of like maybe the news real quick or something like that. But I don't spend my time doing things that aren't beneficial. I'm always reading, learning, like you said, listening to a podcast, putting on makeup. I never put makeup on or something without listening to something, filling my brain with something positive that's going to help me become an ex- expanded version of self. So I think that's that's part of the identity shift that happens is that you, you want to start doing these better things for yourself. Cause it feels Absolutely. so much better. Absolutely. Yes. I noticed like once I've started surrounding myself with more people who are not partying anymore, <laughs> yeah. but people who are like wanting well into entrepreneurship, you know, wanting to grow their business, wanting to scale their business, just leaders. Yeah. And I noticed I'm like, wow. And I'm just like, I get so fascinated. I'm just like, wow, all these incredible women that I'm meeting, like including yourself. And I'm just like blown away. I'm like, it was, I would have, I couldn't have imagined myself like this. Like seven years ago. No way. No way. But I look at it. I'm just like, it's time has gone by so fast and it doesn't even feel like I like, Oh, I have to go ahead and breathe, do my breathing exercises. Oh, I have to No, I love these things. These things are like, make me feel makes my soul feel good. Like my my soul's like my cheerleader as well. So like, she's on my side, not like the one that was drinking before that was the enemy talking all these lies to me. But now that I've changed and I've made that transformation, I really feel like, wow, Gina, there you are. And it took some time, but you know what? It's worth it. It's a process, but it's worth it. It is. And you know what? I love that you, that you call it a name and you have a name for that inner voice because it's so true. We, you know, I call it either the gremlin. I call my inner voice sometimes Stacy because that 
there was a girl back in the day that, you know, <laughs> anyway, I love all Stacy. So I apologize if that's your name, but you know, coming up with a name that, that is good for you, you know, that helps you just like name it, like, you know, like take a back seat. We're not doing that today, you know? And, and I will talk to myself in the mirror. I mean, even this morning I was the first thing I had to do after I took a shower and got ready and all that kind of stuff for the day is I had a really important meeting this morning and I was, my office is upstairs in my home. So I'm downstairs and I looked in the mirror and I literally gave myself a pep talk and I'm like, you're, you're amazing. You're rocking this. Like, you know, just talk to myself because it really does help. Like we're, we're training our unconscious mind to be the new, this new version of ourselves that we want to be. And I'm, I'm never going to stop growing. You're never going to stop growing. We have that desire to want to keep getting better and better. And the more we entrench ourselves with self-development things every single day, again, that everyday effort will expand us. So it's what we do consistently and the discipline, whether we want to do it or not, we, you know, if we show up, we do it, we do it. Yeah. And discipline comes in with self-love. We, we should, mm-hmm. we love, we should love ourselves so much that we be disciplined in reaching our goals to whatever we desire in our life, you know, because we are the creator of our, <laughs> of our reality. And so, and I don't think people understand that they have that much power so that they can literally create the reality that they want. So if they're thinking about something and thinking about changing, start with small goal, uh, start with small habit changes and then work your way up little by little. Yes, 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 yes. And this brings me to a point about intentions that I really want to drive this point home because I think this is so relatable to what you just said. Intentions versus goals. Intentions are present-based. They're micro wins. Goals are in the future. They're big, they're lofty, they're out there. And a lot of times what we do in our brains is we are concentrating on the goals, which are so far ahead of us and big that we get lost in the little stuff. And it's the little teeny micro wins that create the steps that we can keep incrementing and reaching that goal. But we have to be able to be willing to do these intentions, these small intentions every single day. And so I really help my clients focus on what are your daily intentions today? How do you want to show up for yourself? What are you willing to do every single day that is considered a non-negotiable? Like for example, I have one client, he will literally Voxer me. I use Voxer. He'll Voxer me in the morning and say, I did all my non-negotiables this morning and I added in X, Y, and Z. So his non-negotiables are meditation and breathing and some sort of exercise. But like today, when he checked in, I I did my breath, my breath work, I did meditation. And not only did I get exercise in by running to the gym, but I spent an hour in the gym lifting and then I ran home, which is, you know, like a mile or two. So he did all this and he goes, I feel great. Again, that's setting you up for an amazing day. But when we focus on the things that are working and the small things, we can reach the bigger goals that we want to have in our life. But it's again, that everyday effort and those small intentions will get us there. And then it makes it so much easier because it's bite size. Bite size. Yeah. And then people have to think big. Oh, you know, they always think about the the end, end goal, which is always good to keep in mind, but yet just start doing the smaller things that's going to make those little mini transformations in your day. Yes. I was going to ask you, I, I love what you do. You actually take your clients through and you ask them, how, how, how did would you just, how did you describe yourself in the past? How do you describe yourself now? And how do you describe yourself in the future? Can you elaborate about what you do with your clients there? 
Oh yeah. That's one of the first, uh, first sessions that I really work on is that I want to know what their identity was maybe five, 10 years ago. How would they describe themselves? And the reason for that is I want them to see the growth that they've had. Again, when we think about, you know, how, how far we want to go and we get like caught up in the, <laughs> but I want to be that. Well, you're not there yet. Let's, let's see how far you've come by identifying where you were. And then how do you describe yourself now? And I think this is really important because this tells me, I do this for two reasons. One, I want them to see their own languaging and their own feelings, but I want them to be able to describe where they are now. One for me, so I know like, I document all this by the way, because I want them to see like, as we move forward, oh my gosh, do you remember when we first started together three, four, six months ago, a year, a year ago, look at what you described yourself then and look how far you've come. So that's, that's another reason why I do it, but it's so cool to see how they describe themselves in that moment. And then the next step is, and who do you wish to become a year, five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever. And I want them to start envisioning what that might look like. And then I want them to start feeling it in their body. So I go through an exercise with them. And if they can, again, step into it, they can visualize this new identity and step into this new identity, then their behaviors are going to start to match that and they're able to then do it. So that's another reason why I, I will often do that exercise with my clients. It reminded me of my trainer. Like she'll be like in her videos, we'll do them on Zoom. Visualize, visualize. <laughs> As we're doing our live, like visualize the body that you want. I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's so important to feel it in your body because then you're then you can start to orchestrate it to happen. Like energy wise, you know, whether you're spiritual in a God sense or spiritual in the woo sense, we are energy, right? We are energy, and when we start to believe it and feel it for ourselves, then we can actually orchestrate that to happen outwardly. And I'll give you an example. I mean, this is just like the silliest little thing, right? Because who cares about how many followers you have and all that kind of stuff. But it was just ironic. So I'll share this story. Um, two days ago, I told you it was my seventh anniversary of being alcohol-free. And I'm on LinkedIn. And I started the day. I just happened to notice um, how many followers I had earlier that day. It was like 6,900 and... 25 or something like that. And I, and I even thought to myself early in the day, I was like, man, it'd be really cool to hit 7,000 followers today on my seventh anniversary. Like it just, how cool would that be? Right. So I sort of thought about it. And then I thought about it some more in the afternoon. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to put it out there. I, I texted a friend of mine that's on LinkedIn. And I told him, I said, Hey, I just, I want to, I just want to put this in writing and I want to send it to you to, to send it to somebody. And I, you know, I, this guy, we, like we joke around a lot. So I said, I'm, I just want you to know, I want 7,000 followers by 1030 tonight. I said, I'm just putting it out there. That's going to happen. I want it to happen. That's what my goal is. And he was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Carrie, whatever. And I think by the time I wrote that, which was about seven o'clock at night, I think I was at 69, maybe 70. So I had like 30 and I thought it's possible. I could, I could maybe get 30 more followers by, you know, in a couple of hours, maybe that's possible. So 
And I actually, I should say this, I had a post, it, it somewhat went viral. <laughs> so I knew there was a pretty good chance, you know, it was my anniversary post and I'm in a group with like 757,000 people. And it had at that point, I think 30,000 impressions already. So I knew yeah. it, that was a pretty good chance it could happen. Well, I'm not joking, Gina. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm watching. So every, you know, now that I put it out there, I'm like watching it. And I'm scrolling and looking at the follower count, it, you know, it crept up to like 6990 at, at around, I think that was around 10 o'clock. No, maybe it was like quarter of 10. And I was like, okay, okay, only 10 more to go. I can make this happen. And so I'm watching, I'm watching it. And literally it got stuck on us uh, 6,999. Oh my goodness. From 1005. <laughs> to 10 28 and I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I'm still looking at it. Right. And I'm like doing other stuff. And I'd go back and I'd look yeah. and scroll and I'd refresh. <laughs> and my husband goes, honey, go to bed. I said, no, <laughs> you don't understand. Like I have two minutes, I have two minutes to hit my goal. And literally 10 29 is when I got that seven, 7,000 follower. Oh my <laughs> and I was like, it's incredible. <laughs> I put it out there. So I say that because I wanted, I was feeling what that would feel like, you know, when I like earlier in the day, I was like, man, that would just be so cool. And it wasn't, a, again, it's like, I don't care about the number of followers. It's just because it was my seventh year. Yes, I just thought it'd be cool yeah. to hit the 7,000. And I just put a time limit on it. Cause why not? Mm -hmm. And I called it out and put it out there and it happened. And so I, awesome. ironically at 1030, two more people jumped in. So it was 7,002. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. I love stories like that because seriously, yeah. when you put your emotion to that, like, you know what, if you, when you feel it in your heart and you just really want it, it actually does come true. <laughs> but yeah. prayer, prayer works that way. I mean, when the Absolutely. conditions are right, when the conditions are right. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. If it's, if it's not, you know, if it's in your best interest and, you know, um, I, I love that because what we feel inside of our body, we can really set ourselves up for success if we do that. And, you know, yeah. And prayer absolutely works. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that. Well, where can our audience follow you? You know, well, I'm on everywhere. It, de it really depends whatever your uh, social media platform is that you like. I'm on Instagram, um, gray underscore tonic. I'm not as active on Instagram as I am in at LinkedIn, um, which is just Carrie Schwer. And then on Facebook, question the drink Facebook community is a great place. So if you are in that space of just wanting to question and learn and without that, you know, like, ah, you got to quit. And it's all about being sober. No, it's literally about everything, right? We have a lot of drinkers in the group. We have a lot of people that have years of sobriety. We have people like myself who say I'm alcohol free as everything. My son's in there. Like he he wasn't drinking for a while. Now he's back social, socially drinking. I welcome everybody. It's really a place to question the drink and also to question some other areas in your life. So that would be a great place for the start if somebody's interested or my website, which is greatonic.com. I love that. Is yeah. there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Just the last thing I want to say is to listen to your inner voice. You already know, you already know what you're thinking. You already know that feeling that you have inside that something is a little off. And my plea for you is let me, this message be a seed for you. 
And sometimes that seed takes years to cultivate and create a change. And that's okay too. We have six stages of change that we go through. But and this is this is a trans theoretical uh, trans theoretical model of change. It's called, and it's pre contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, relapse. Those are the six stages. And you might be in that contemplation stage where you're like, I kind of think I want to do something, but I'm not ready. You got the brakes on. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I stayed in that contemplation stage for a very long time. And then I finally moved into the preparation stage. And when I moved into that stage, I still drank for six weeks. I was like, I'm gathering information. Like, what am I going to do? This is when, you know, I learned about AA and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go to AA. There's nothing else, right? So you move into action and then when you're in action, great, you stay in action, then you move into maintenance, which is where I'm at. And then there is a, another stage. The sixth stage is relapse. If you possibly do, and that's something that you're not happy about, then you just go back to action again. And there's no shame, right? There's no judgment. There's no shame, but just let the message be a seed that this thing, gray airy drinking is out there. It's such a great place to be because you still have a choice. Oh, that's so beautifully said. Thank you so much, Carrie, for joining me today. I really appreciate you and all you do. And God bless you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Same to you, my beautiful friend. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I want to give a shout out to Feedspot. They recognized my show as being on the 50 Best Women's Sobriety Podcasts. I'm super excited about that and I couldn't have done it without you. I also want to introduce my new mini course. It is called Overcoming Challenges. So if you're having difficulty in everyday life with things happening that are unexpected or you're like, how do I handle this? I have the tool. <laughs> I will leave those links in the show notes. And if you are wanting to be part of my newsletter, make sure you text the word SHINE, that's S-H-I-N-E at 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's 1-855-649-6196. Please make sure you leave a five-star review if this podcast is for you. Love you.